Hello FPL managers, welcome to the 24th episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Sartag, your host today. My co-host Bas is enjoying a short break while I have Brad Taylor, it is FPL underscore Echidna, and Tivider as a guest in today's episode. You might remember Brad from episode 18. We had an amazing interview with him. Uh, Brad finished FPL last year at third spot in overall rank with pretty solid underlying numbers and, well, accepted my invite to visit us again. Thanks for tuning in. And if you listened to us before, it's great to have you back. And if you are listening to us for the first time, then welcome and we hope you will be coming back. This will be an interesting special episode. We will talk about our depressing FPL season so far. My season is going in a direction that I was not imagining at the beginning of the season at the slightest. I'm currently around 1.6 million and Brad is well around 650k, which I am very jealous of by the way. Not too bad if you ask me, but we are both a bit unhappy for some reason. And before we dive deeper, welcome to the podcast, Brad, once again. Hi, sir. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you again. And tell me about your game week and also about your season. How is it going? How do you feel about FPL? What's the latest with you? (laughs) Well, I, I suspect of all the different guests that you could have potentially had on, you had to um, find somebody with a very modest rank as well to not make you feel <laughs> too bad. So don't, exactly. don't think that that went unnoticed. But um, yeah, my, my game week, I got 58 points. Um, it's been a bit of a disaster since um, since the last couple of game weeks because Things were starting to turn around for me since our last conversation. I play, We both, I think, played our wild cards for game week nine. Um, things started to go a little bit better, but I was rolling transfers and holding back to really attack the final four game weeks before the World Cup with bringing in Foden and Saka in game week 13. Um, and both of those have um, been pretty disastrous while other options have um, have done better and, and most of my team blanked other than the obvious picks like Martinelli and, and Cancelo and so on this week so um, another another red arrow and some of my progress feels like it's um, it's kind of gone backwards again so yeah how did you go? Well yeah I mean pretty similar along the same lines uh, after the wild card I mean I, during the wild card I had to make a decision about like which defender to buy cancel or Trippier, I wasn't able to buy both of them. And, well, both of them scored big points, but I went with cancel also. Trippier, this game week especially, killed me a lot. I finished with 55 points, and my game week rank is, let me see, 6.8 million. So I'm always around those, like 6 million, 8 million, 9 million. I get closer to 10 million in some (laughs) game weeks too. So yeah, I mean, after wildcard, I mean, I wasn't doing well until wildcard, but especially after wildcard, I had high hopes, which probably contributed to, you know, why I get tilted because I had my expectations high. But yeah, yeah. Now, what, now this game week was um, defined for a lot of people around that very late team news with 
with City. Now you had you set an alarm to get up early, I think, but uh, did you make any moves in response to that? How did you how did that affect your team? So yeah, that's the problem because like last time when we had a six a.m. deadline, I woke up at five a.m. and I was pretty on the fence about whether to do anything or not because um can't remember who I sold, but. I had to take a hit if I wanted to make any changes. So I was like, okay, maybe it's a good idea because I woke up already. So, you know, the <laughs> signs are there. I need to make some changes. I did, and it was a disaster. And this time around, I'm like, okay, last time was a disaster. I already used my free transfer. So maybe this time I shouldn't touch anything. Like not my captain, no, you know, any transfers, <laughs> not taking any hits. So I promised myself that I will wake up and I didn't even turn on my PC because if I'm on my PC, I will be checking the data, you know, checking the expected minutes, last minute, maybe I will be panicking. So instead I was <laughs> still in the bed. I was checking everything from my phone. Didn't do anything this time, but I was able to wake up and yeah, I mean, it didn't go well again. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe the problem is me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, re I really feel like um, with FPL being such a global game um, mm -hmm. with players in all different time zones that they should move the deadline earlier a little bit to um, lessen the impact of the, the team leaks for the first game. Um, I think that would make it a level playing field for everybody. And it's not really in the spirit of the game to, um, you know, for some people to be able to get that information. Even people in the UK or Europe, you know, some people might have to work an important job and can't be sitting around tinkering at the at that exact time um and i think this this was a good example of that um of that game week because it was very divergent um the the moves and the outcomes depending on um which which side of the the fence you were on there yeah i mean i agree that maybe if the deadline was either closer to the kickoff or maybe you know way earlier than kickoff so that you know no one can benefit from the leagues it makes sense it will probably make the game a little bit more fair in that sense but i don't know how they will do it i mean i mean fpl is a well, free game to play and then there are no big you know monetary prizes so i'm not even sure you know how much fpl towers itself you know cares about these kind of stuff i mean they are making small changes to the game every season seems like but they're not the most responsive type i mean last season introducing that extra free hit yeah i don't know like it rubbed me the wrong way like i wasn't really expecting them to do any you know changes to the game so you start the game with some expectations about you know the chips and the rules and then when once the rules change midway through i don't know so for for that reason i don't know if they will make any changes but yeah, well, I think I just accepted that it's an unfair game, so I was <laughs> playing from that angle. This is a bit of a, um, a scoop for your podcast because I haven't really talked to anybody about this, but um, having finished third last season and, and had some prizes coming my way, um, without going into it, it the FPL has been a little bit slow um, in getting me um, getting me those prizes and, and mm -hmm. communicating and getting me the right things, um, which, you know, on the one hand, I'm getting free stuff for, for a game that was free to play. So I'm, I'm certainly not complaining, um, but I did get a little bit of a feeling 
that um, you know the, the the focus on ensuring the player's experience is as good as it could be wasn't mm-hmm. you know one hundred percent their main priority. Um, so you know, read into that what you will about what that means for the game's design and, and things like that um, going forward. But um, but uh, yeah, I, I do yeah wonder if you're right. They'll just sort of leave it as it is, and it's just something that we have to deal with. Then. Were you able to get your stress ball at least? <laughs> yeah, I, I got my stress ball. I got most of my stuff. You know, I've got my PS5, which I've been playing. Um, I didn't get my mug, which I was a bit sad about. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, you know, everything arrived eventually. It was just a little bit. Um, it was a little bit yeah. slow with the the communication and and getting the the right. The right um, sizes of things and, and that kind of thing wasn't wasn't exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people are playing other fantasy games, but I mean, ten million players. But well, some of them should be probably you know multiple accounts, bots, and everything. But at least like several millions of players are playing the game. It is. It feels weird. Maybe they were not expecting this much attention over the years, so they still haven't you know, figured out how to deal with it. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it feels like they're not yeah, on top of their game on this. Well, at least you have your stress ball. and <laughs> It's definitely coming in handy yes, this season. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> well, having bad game weeks is part of the FBL experience. Well, as far as I understand in my limited experience in two and a half years now. And so I wonder one thing. So how do you usually respond to respond to bad game weeks so like or bad seasons overall like did you have any similar experiences in the previous seasons like what do you do yeah i think it's a great question um and you know an important one for for you know you at the moment and lots of people listening who are frustrated with with how things are going right now mm-hmm. um so yeah, and kind of break it down into a few different parts. Um, there's kind of the the emotional response to having a bad game week or a bad season, and, and then the an analytical side. And the two work together because understanding analytically why things aren't going well, whether it's pure bad luck or decisions that you could have made better or mm. or things like that, um, can feed into the emotional response as well as a decision around how to play from this point going forward if you reassess your goals or decide that you're going to take more risks and, and things like that. So for me, looking back in in past seasons and um, sticking to the sort of recent ones when I've played the game a bit more seriously, I've definitely had some, you know, some quite good ranks where things started well and then can, continued to go well. And But outside those seasons, my ranks are quite low, like down mm-hmm. into the hundreds of thousands or or even lower. And I think that's because when I've reached this point in those seasons where things just maybe haven't gone my way or, or whether I you know, didn't play well or whatever, but got off to a slow start, I've then got on, whether you want to describe it as being on tilt or, or in a more rational way, just deciding to, you know, kind of chase the, chase the points a bit more and play more risky and pick more differentials and, and things like that. That's the way I've done it previously. I'm kind of, tossing this around in my head at the moment um as you know and depending how the next couple of game weeks go and where my rank sits at the world cup as to how much i maybe want to adjust and and do that but you know definitely in previous seasons when a player like almiron right now has emerged Mm -hmm. 
where I feel like um, I've kind of missed the boat on those early points, even mm. if he's a solid pick, which I do think he is. It's not that this is just a, a hot streak um, with no underlying data supporting it. I tend to just intentionally avoid a player like that and try to find the next one so that I can catch up all those points on the crowd, mm, even though, you know, maybe you should cut your losses and, and just join with him and try to make up those points a bit more slowly or gradually somewhere else. Um, so yeah, in the past, I've definitely made that error and it, and it hasn't gone well when I've tried to chase, but that hasn't necessarily bothered me because it's all about what you set as your own targets. And for me, I, I don't mind if, if I have a, you know, average rank compared to just a good one in pursuit of a great one. Um, whereas somebody else might have a quite a good rank history and really want to um, make sure they give themselves the best possible chance of finishing in the top 100k, even if it even if they end up at 90 or, or something like that. So yeah. well, all of that kind of feeds into that crossover between the emotional and, and the analytical. But purely in the emotional sense, I think you got some really good responses to your tweet talking about this topic with mm. people talking about strategies like just stepping away from the game turning your attention to other things in your life that you enjoy or mm-hmm. that um you know give you a break from fpl and just getting some perspective um you know for me i play fpl as an escape from the bigger problems in the world like yeah. <laughs> the, pretty, pretty know, the future the of the environment <laughs> and that kind of thing so i'm not going to get too worried about it but i also have the advantage now of having that great season where things went my way so i don't um I'm not letting things get to me as much now because I feel like, you know, I've already got that that I can always, you know, hang my hat on now. Yeah. Um, so maybe for you, you know, until you've had that season, then you'll you might feel more frustrated. I, I don't know until you get there. So, yeah, what what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, in my first season, and thank you for the response, by the way. Uh, in my first season, I finished around 304k and. Well, I didn't know anything about the game. I didn't know anything about the community. I was just, you know, making decisions based on well optimization, and I was happy. Like I was making, like giving the decisions. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, what's happening. I was. I realized that I had some of a bad luck in that season too. So we were just calling it uh, Bruno Survivors Club, for example, because I didn't have <laughs> Bruno. I went with. Uh, can't even remember. Uh, but anyway, so that season, I mean, I had fun. Uh, and finishing 300k, I felt really happy. I said, okay, I'm in the top whatever percent, so this is pretty good. And then I realized, oh, people are always talking about, you know, how many top 10k or 100k finishes they have. So for the next season, then I said, okay, maybe I should aim for a rank like this. And even like when you go to like FBI review, it shows you the probability of hitting that, you know, rank tiers. I'm like, oh, it says I have a pretty significant probability of getting into like 100k. Why didn't I ever, you know, reach 100k during that season? And so for the second season, I had my expectations a little bit higher, but I was also lucky, like certain game weeks, well, I was also unlucky with Hubbards, for example, but like finishing around 3,000 uh, in my second season, I, I felt like, okay, you know, this is what it's, it is supposed to look like. So this is what I can probably achieve. And then, so that turned into a curse this season because I, 
I'm always under the stress of like proving that I can reach that rank again. But this season, like nothing is going well according to the plan. So like whatever transfers I'm making, they blank the like immediate next game week. So I always have this urge to like sell them, like even you know taking hits. I didn't do it, but so I think that affected me pretty bad this season. And also, like, in my first season, I didn't know anybody. And so I was just, you know, meeting with people. And then in my second season, I already knew, like, who is who <laughs> in the zoo. And now in my third season, now, like, I have, like, certain um, players that I'm comparing myself to. That's also affecting me really bad, like, especially when I'm not doing well. Yeah, and from... An analytical point of view, I was going to mention this thing, but there is this game called uh, the pig game, where you well, basically you essentially roll dice and you try to hit hundred points. And in that game, the optimal strategy, like for the average case, is trying to hit uh, number twenty, if I remember correctly, and keep rolling dice uh, like in each turn until you hit that number. But so. Between these two players, if you get closer to 100, like faster than the the second guy, then you can actually play a little bit safe because you know that there is a less chance of the other guy like, catching up to you. So the guy who's um, trailing should take some risks. So the optimal strategy says that you need to you know, increase the risk level if you really want to win the game because otherwise, I mean, you will lose like if you always roll the average. So, I have this now urge, like knowing that that's the optimal strategy in that game, and I know that FPL is a finite game, we have limited amount of, you know, game weeks, I have this urge that I need to make some risky moves now, and now is the time, I need to choose a differential captain, I need to bring a player that no one else is bringing, that is also affecting me bad, because like, I really don't know, like, even if I can calculate, I, I don't feel like it. Because whenever I ask others, what do you think about bringing, I don't know. Like, it's not like Almiron, probably now everyone has him. But suppose there's a player that no one has. I'm like, I identified this guy. What do you guys say? Is it a good move? And everyone is like, no, like, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> Have you checked FBR review? Go, you know, buy Saka. <laughs> like, I don't want to buy Saka. Everyone has Saka. So... That's affecting me really bad because I'm struggling to find the next move, like as you have mentioned. So I'm trying to find the next, you know, shiny player that no one else will see before I do. Yeah, it's it's a mess. So, yeah. so would it help you to um, to reassess, you know, your goals for the season? And once you kind of set yourself a new target, then your decision making and risk appetite can kind of be downstream from there, and then you can get back to making the right decisions based on that and not worrying about the outcome? Yeah, probably. I mean, I you asked me this question yeah, before the episode, so I was I started thinking about it. Like, maybe, maybe, yeah. So I maybe I was too focused on having a similar finish this season, like maybe some a rank in top 10K, which, I mean, doesn't really mean anything, but... It's, it was kind of the target that I was trying to hit. And now it's a little bit obvious that to do it, I need to have the exact opposite luck. So I, if I'm 
you know, <laughs> lucky in the amount that I was unlucky, mm. I might still hit it, but well, I mean, it's probably very unlikely. So yeah, maybe I should just consider, you know, what I'm expecting from the game. So I was kind of trying to focus on like content generation, like, I mean, making visualizations or Twitter threads or this podcast just to distract myself. And then, yeah, in general, you know, what I'm doing with it. Because like in previous weeks or maybe like last season completely, I kept focusing on improving improving my decision-making. By that, I mean like improving the solver, like adding new features, mm-hmm. You know, banning Everton players, <laughs> so <laughs> things like that. So that you know, this season though, well, obviously nothing is working. So I'm kind of trying to distract myself. Yeah, yeah, it's challenging for you because um, you're a content creator now, not just with the tools that you contribute and the information, but actually, you know, putting yourself out there with your team on on your podcast, and you've become something of a standard barrier bearer for the um analytical um way of playing so um yeah i could i could see that you would want to continue with your plan a for the rest of the season potentially just to kind of prove that things will regress to the main and that you'll you'll rise up but um you're only you're not going to reach 10k probably playing that way because it wouldn't be risky enough um or do you you know sort of try to do a few different moves this season and, and then come back next season and, and hopefully, you know, sort of almost prove the method. Like, do you feel the, the weight of, of the pressure of kind of the way of playing as well, but more than just wanting your own team to do well? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, people, like, since I promote always, you know, using optimization, now I feel like, like, if I do a really suboptimal move, people will think, well, this guy is saying one thing and then doing something else, you know. And then I'm trying to always, you know, justify the decisions I make. So, yeah, that's kind of a stress for me. Um, But, well, on the other side of things, uh, I think I tweeted about this and because of it, because um, we were talking about a player uh, and Vitraut, and he mentioned that that player... Is doing really well, both in you know underlyings like massive data rank, and also in FPL going pretty well. I mean, he was lucky in the starting game weeks, as far as I understand. So when I heard, and he said that he's using the optimization solver that I have uploaded, so that made me feel really good about myself. So I'm I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not helping myself, but. I'm helping some other people. I think I also see the similar pattern in other content creators because sometimes their season is not going well, but they say, oh, by this player, he's really good. Other people buy that player, and then if that player, you know, gets a haul, they're like, oh, I feel good about myself. Like, even though I wasn't able to help, you know, my team, I helped some other people. I think that was the reason why I tweeted earlier about the idea of maybe, you know, working with others and helping their teams to get better because and also well from the analytical again point of view we know that for a certain team things can go really bad really good too but like you could be at the extreme and extreme tail of the distribution but if you are i don't know like working with 10 people 
20 people, some of them will certainly get lucky and then they will certainly get a really good rank so that probably it will be easier to, you know, enjoy the game. But yeah. But I mean, how about you then? Because like you finished third last season. So did you always think that, you know, it will be almost impossible for you to, you know, pass your last season rank? So it was less <laughs> stressful for you? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, both of us are kind of statistically literate. I'm not saying that I'm a complete expert or something like that. But for me, knowing that um, that's not going to be repeated is a little bit liberating and, and similar to what you just said. And thank you, by the way, for sharing everything that you that you have, because um, yeah, you're not just a, a robot sitting behind a curtain. <laughs> you're a real human um, who is subject to the same ups and downs in this game as everybody else. So thanks for you know being vulnerable and sharing all of that insight. Um, but a little bit like you, I think this season I can, um, you know, still do my best with my team, but enjoy some other aspects of it, like getting to do things like this. Um, you know, this will definitely be my most enjoyable part of the week, FPL-wise, regardless of um, what I, well, especially when you see what shape my team's in, but <laughs> even, uh, even that aside. Um, and also, you know, some of the, the tactical analysis threads and, and GIFs and things like that that I've put on Twitter or even just tweeting about my thought process. If, you know, some people get something out of that or, or just enjoy, I just enjoy the idea of communicating that information and in a way that, that can make sense to people and, and scratching that itch. So, um, you know, I'm just dipping in and out of that type of thing this season, but that's something that I can focus on enjoying more and, and not you know, let my rank get to me too much. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I mean, as far as I hate being on uh, Twitter <laughs> during the bad game weeks, I mentioned this too. Um, so the fact that you communicate with others, I mean, sometimes, you know, you share the, you know, upsets together and sometimes you share, you know, successes together. That's that aspect of FPL or maybe fantasy sports in general is really nice so that it, you know, makes people bring together. And if you can contribute one way or another, like right, like you writing threads and people reading it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that could be a distraction <laughs> from the <laughs> FPL rank when things are not going well. Yeah, well, we, sh we should talk about about um about luck um, mm -hmm. and the different types of luck and, and whether things are going well or not. Because another thing I sympathize with you about is that, you know, your expertise is optimization. Mm -hmm. so you, need that, you need that input of the um, expected values or the points predictions, and then you can manipulate that in a way to show people the best path to um, find the right combination of players to maximize that. But you have absolutely no control or insight into the uh, the generation of the expected points that's yeah. that's before your part of the process steps in so you're dependent on um on other people's work there and then maybe you know unfairly cop some <laughs> criticism if if those don't uh, lead to points which which may be <laughs> sure. just um, variants or, or maybe something else and and that'll be great to talk about now but I, I do feel sorry for you a little bit in in that way but in terms of the the luck this season. What sort of bad luck do you um, do you feel that you've had, if if anything, and and how much of it has been down to your decisions and things that you could control versus otherwise? As you mentioned, I'm using the prediction data 
and optimization to make my decision. So if the prediction data is saying one thing that I don't have, usually I don't have any reason for not believing in it. And this season, um, as you may, might have noticed, I'm working with multiple sources of data just to, you know, minimize the risk of getting, um, you know, picking up noise from one source. I mean, most of the analytical players, let's be honest, are using FBI review because, I mean, it has the, also the optimization tool on the website too. But mm. I'm just trying to, you know, sense check with others too because everyone has a different way of giving their input to their model. And so I'm just, you know, trying to be careful about it. But for the luck aspect, you're right. I mean, prediction data tells one thing. Um, usually, like what, we are trying to then predict is what the underlying number will be. So in a way, well, what, what the expected goal, expected assist, or expected clean sheet data will give you for that particular player is what they are, what we are in general trying to predict. I mean, obviously the goal is predicting the FBL points, but that's pretty much impossible. Like you can't really do it. So then the first type of luck is you choosing a player and then that player is getting higher underlying number like collecting more expected goals than you have predicted or maybe less i mean harvard i i still have nightmares about the guy i mean last <laughs> season like was it seven nil so he wasn't able to get a return in that game i'm and like he was playing also the forward so that's some kind of you know you know luck or unluck if you call that you can't really foresee i mean this guy is playing in chelsea as a forward i mean this like their opponent is known with the weak defense so you know stars are aligned i mean we expect this guy to get lots of you know underlying lots of expected goals so that's one type of luck but and then the second type is the player actually collects that much like XG as you have predicted. I mean, this season Salah in certain games had collected expected goals like enough to get a nice return, but then he blanked. And so, or I mean, on the like other side of the um, coin, I mean, in some game weeks, Holland scored expected goals. I mean, pretty solid numbers, but he's actual fpl points was much higher than his underlyings i mean that's that's the well the second type so i don't know so i mean in for certain players um i was unlucky in terms of how much they have collected like more than we predicted and then for some others they got more fpl points than their underlyings and when you say this to people, they're like, yeah, of course, because he's an elite finisher, of course he will overperform his, you know, expected goal. That could be true, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, sometimes it accumulates. I mean, I'm checking, I was checking my highlights page uh, on FPL Optimized, and I saw that, like, just from Holland alone, my luck is minus 21. So he got 21 more points than I predicted to lose against him. So I was expecting to lose around minus 40 by not choosing him as my captain certain game weeks. And it was minus 62. 
that's I don't know. That's a huge difference. I mean, twenty points. But if I had twenty more points right now, like I would have been a much better rank probably. How about you? Like, do you usually check which players do you have bet for or against, and how much you were lucky, unlucky about them? Yeah, um, it's it's not something that I would check super regularly, like every week. But it's nice having uh, moments like this to actually take stock of of what has happened and and think about what types of luck there has been and and if there's anything to learn from it. So. Um, I have noticed that uh, your content on the Twitter has 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 uh, taken a turn into investigating this difference between <laughs> predictions and underlyings and underlyings sure. and real points, which with the season that you're having is maybe coming out of your subconscious or, or, or conscious to just try to understand what on earth is happening. Um, and we can talk about true. our um, our different um, you know data ranks um, on review maybe mm-hmm. in a moment, but. Before I would even get into that type of luck, um, there's also just another type of, I don't know what you would want to call it, but something like pathway luck, which is just like, so for me, looking back on my season, a lot of what's happened is just picking the wrong captain. I I talked about that last time. So so I'd have a much better rank if I hadn't got that wrong more often than not. So that's, and that's, you know, you can call that partly luck, partly partly skill. Um, But... You know, in game for game week seven, I'd, I'd loaded up my team with triple Brighton, and because they had Bournemouth next, and then a good fixture in game week eight, and then the Queen dies, those, both of those games are off, and so not only do I miss out on that EV that I'd been kind of you know not not getting other options to to build towards, um, but then they blanked in game week eight. Then the big decision was whether to wildcard in game week eight or game week nine. That time I made a bit more of a conservative choice to protect against injuries or different things and and just uh, carried through. But um, going in game week nine meant not getting as many Newcastle defenders. It meant going away from Saka because the blank was that one week closer. And it meant going for Madison instead. He gets three yellow cards in three game weeks. (laughs) It gets suspended for the one time when you really needed him in, yeah. in game week 12 and that had on flow impacts on other transfers that I needed to make and now Tony is suspended when I really needed him again as well so things like this this is just complete randomness that you can't really um, can't really litigate for um, and that's before you even get into the overall underperformance um, and the only and you know I'm complaining about all these things, but I know a lot of these players are, are highly owned, and so many other managers are in the same boat. It's not like it just affects me. And the only person I know who never faced any of these things was me last season, when it just <laughs> never there was an injury or a suspension or something like that happened. It always just didn't seem to um, impact my team too much. Um, and yeah, you can control a little bit by making your squad, you know, having a deeper bench and. And planning ahead and that kind of thing to a degree, but I feel like the, the twists and turns of this season. Um, even I, using your website is good to check. Uh, the, the, one of the many great fe- features on there is that you can see the sources of points across your squad. So mm-hmm. how many goals, assists, and things are contributing. My squad's picked up twenty-seven yellow cards. Yours oh, wow. has twenty-six, um, and I looked at some other analyt- analytics-driven managers and they were at around 17 to yeah. 20 no more than 20 so um, we love, we love I, you know <laughs> aggressive players maybe 
And well, I can remember several times like Gabriel Jesus and others where they were on for several bonus in a game, get a stupid late yellow card, which costs <laughs> not only that one that. point, but then another few. Um, that's happened in addition to the the Madison and Tony suspensions that have just come out of nowhere. There's been things like that. So it's just things like that have been quite costly as well. So anyhow, there's all of that um, going on before you even get into the um, yeah the variance around the projected points. Um, and uh, but then yeah, let, let's move on to that now because um, the stories told by our um, FPL review season review pages are, are pretty incredible. Um, so. My massive data rank is 12K, which um, which I, I'm pretty happy with. I definitely um, go against the model sometimes with, with my X minutes predictions. And your website says that the players I've been luckiest on have been like Perisic and Simicas and, and Pascal Gross, who are players who I was more bullish about mm-hmm. uh, either their X minutes on in the games when I started them or their role in the team. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm happy to say I, I made a little bit of that luck at least. Um, so and then, um, but then my XG rank is around 346K and then my actual FPL rank is um, 657K. So I'm at 43.6% variance, so a little bit on the unlucky side. I maybe feel like, you know, as I said, if, if my predictions were a little bit better than the models on, on a couple of those things, then maybe I've been even a little bit unluckier than that. But looking at your numbers, it's just like, <laughs> it's devastating. Uh, do you want to, do you want to talk through them and, and how they make you feel? Yeah. And yeah, before I talk about that one, yeah, thanks for bringing up that like other type of luck topic. I mean, that pathway luck is, I mean, really hard to quantify, really hard to convince people that you were really unlucky with the, you know, yellow cards, like suspensions, injuries, whatever. Yeah, it bothers me a lot. But yeah, well, I mean, again, people get a little bit upset when you bring these kind of stuff like massive data rank and they're like oh you're already playing with fbi review data and then you're talking about you know how good you are doing with the md like massive data rank but yeah my massive data rank is 455 and so it's a three digit number but (laughs) my fbi rank is one million (laughs) six hundred seventy four thousand yeah seven hundred eighteen so pretty big difference i mean even the last three digits is higher than my massive data rank. <laughs> so and my, so your variance score is is down at 10 yeah, percent which is 10%. almost as low as it can go right yeah i think in my first season the fpl kiwi he was playing pretty good i mean in terms of massive data but his variance was around four percent if i remember correctly and then we were always just kind of like supporting him saying that you know you will do fine like don't don't be upset about this and then the following season he played so well and his ranks were really good he was flying so i don't know i i try to you know remind myself that you know if i'm having a bit of a you know unlucky season this season maybe next season it will be much better but yeah my variance says minus 55 points too so I don't know. 
it's it's depressing <laughs> to see this page i mean like like how in the world that my master data rank is a three digit number but then my fpr rank is a seven digit number is just absolutely crazy yeah that's the reality. that's really that's really extreme yeah yeah so, well you know you're, you're out you're definitely based on based on the fpl review data you're playing much better than me this season but i don't know if you've done any work on how close the scores are this season compared to past seasons but i feel like things might be closer because of the fpl pricing this season it makes it easier to all have the best players and, and people have quite similar teams um we certainly did early on so all of the difference is made up by only a couple of different slots um putting aside things like, you know, there was a bit of a divergence around the game week eight versus game week nine wildcard and and that kind of thing. But I'm sure after the World Cup, we'll all reset back to having quite similar teams potentially, which in a way is, I don't know, that's the, that's the challenge that we face where we want to catch up. You're just betting on, you know, Trossard to beat <laughs> Almiron or something like that and everything else is the same. So, um yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do you have, do you know anything about how close the scores are? You, I think you're right. I mean, I didn't do any like I didn't sit down and then check the check it uh, deeply. But I think it's right that the ranks are very close this season. I mean, almost everyone had the same team for the most part too. So, well, it feels like the ranks have you know less meaning like as usual so that hopefully our ranks will get you know better and better because i mean there are also lots of players who already used a free hit or a bench boost so i mean top ranks are you know in top ranks there are lots of players of that kind but i 100 percent agree like it is not a good feeling that you know nine players out of 11 in your lineup is the same with the guy you are trying to pass in your mini league and then those two players are just you know have the exact opposite game weeks like i don't know like trossard and almiron like one of them gets a blank other gets you know multiple like a you know a double uh digit return yeah those are really hard yeah but yeah uh, ranks are kind of close and teams are close it felt like at one point it felt like everyone is playing optimally i mean it wasn't the feeling i was getting last season like people were not really believing in any tools predictions projections nothing and i remember choosing jimenez uh, as my captain in game week nine last season i think it was game week nine that no one else did and i was pretty confident that he will you know get the returns and sure enough he got i think 10 points where all the other you know premium players blanked and i was able to jump in ranks pretty significantly that was part of the reason why you know probably i had a good finish too but this season i mean everyone had the same players they chose the same captain like we are afraid of choosing a different captain than holland like even if in the games where he doesn't have a favorable fixture I mean, playing against Liverpool, I mean, it's not probably a favorable fixture, but we're like, yeah, you know what? I will choose Holland because everyone else will too. So depressing experience. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have a question for you. 
Um, I think one thing that makes FPL worse compared to other luck-based games is you can't really play again after a good, bad game week. So you can't really say that, okay, this bad, this game week was really bad. Let me open my PC again and then replay. You know, if you have played Football Manager, like you can, you know, always load the, <laughs> the the previous save before the game, right? Like you can't really do it. So you need to wait until next deadline. So my game weeks nowadays, or my weeks, always start really depressing after, you know, Sunday or Monday night. And then for the following days, I get gradually better and better. And then on Friday or Saturday, I'm like, yes, I'm making big moves this game week. And then it will be a great game week. And sure enough, that weekend, my all, all of my players blank. So things go really bad. I get a game week rank of 8 million. And then I need to wait for another whole week. That's terrible. <laughs> so I think it's a, yeah. that's what I'm saying about, you know, when I say a depressing experience, like, do you agree that, you know, FPL is kind of bad in terms of this? Yeah, that's, I think you described it well. It's a, it's a feature of this game that clearly there's something about it that draws, draws people to it because there's 10 million people playing. Um, but no doubt it can, um, it can be a bit of a mood killer when things don't go well. And, and as you say, the week feels very long. So, um, I, I'm no different from that, but I suppose it's just about, like we said before, try to have different strategies in place, whether you need to just step away for a few days, whether doing some analysis of teams and that kind of thing and, and looking a few game weeks ahead mm-hmm. rather than backwards is, is something that makes you feel better. It's down to the individual person. Um, a week like this I find quite annoying and, and challenging because things didn't go well and I prefer to just put FPL to the side until later in the week probably, but um, I need to be potentially making moves that are dependent on price changes. Um, that's yeah. So that's kind of making me pay attention and try to make some <laughs> complex decisions a bit sooner uh, than, I, than I would like to be returning to it. Um, but other than that kind of thing, you know, I, I've, I've said before, I also play a draft game on fan tracks with some other friends. And so sometimes if I do want to, um, switch my attention over to that. You can always make trades or do different things a little bit earlier in the week um, mm-hmm. if you want to do some some fantasy football type of stuff with um, without FPL, the long wait until the weekend comes around. So, yeah, it just depends on, on what makes you feel good and how you need to manage it. Anything that you don't start making irrational decisions, I suppose, which is you know the real pitfall. Yeah, I will talk about uh, this distinction of uh, finite versus infinite games because in finite games there is, um, well, obviously a time limit. Like you play once and then there's a clear winner and loser. And I mean, FPL in that sense is also a finite game. There are game weeks that you need to you know make your decision until the deadline and then there's nothing you can do. By the way, you just wait until you see the outcome. But again, you can't really go again. I mean, I compare it to games like, I don't know, like Rocket League, any video games that you can go again and again and again. So you can really play until you win a game. Like no, no matter how many games it takes, you can keep going. But yeah, I mean, that aspect of FPL, like you need to 
really distract yourself. Probably same with other fantasy games too, but I mean, yeah. I I will talk about this in a minute. So we've been we've been talking about, you know, the different types of luck and over and under performance and I've been thinking a lot about um just kind of the macro discussion of the season so far and whether there's any reason to think there might actually be bias in the um predictions of different players and different teams and that kind of thing particularly around some of those big champions league teams Mm -hmm. because manchester city seem to be ticking along nicely um in in both of the um big competitions whereas liverpool chelsea and, and spurs are all sort of struggling to some degree and i feel like there might be something in that so essentially looking at looking at arsenal and manchester united improving a lot as well this league has six teams in it who are all should feel entitled to finish in the top four and Mm -hmm. to miss the top four would be quite a quite a disaster so you've got um must win games in the premier league every single week for all of those teams but the ones in the champions league as well those are all must win games because you know the group stage is short and important um and and the schedule because of the world cup this year is is as tight is tighter than it has ever been um and i think this is actually having an impact on on some of those teams so it's almost like the, the metaphor might be almost like riding a wave at the beach so um when you're you know trying to surf get on your surfboard down here in australia <laughs> if you're <laughs> If you're on the front of the wave, you can kind of use, you can kind of go with the momentum and you don't have to work too hard. But as soon as you fall off the back of it, then you have to paddle like crazy just to kind of keep up. Mm. And I feel like a team like Liverpool this season, with getting a few injuries in key positions, it has so many compounding effects then for their team. So that was Klopp's press conference before the Napoli game this week. It was all in there in terms of talking about players who, not just the injured ones, but ones who aren't injured but but aren't fit either or ones who are fit but then aren't getting the rests that they need because they have to keep playing so many games in a row and he just can't afford to rest them because he has to win the games or there's just no other player, no other alternative. And I feel like some of those teams is kind of this perpetual drag on on their performance and um, at both the team level and the individual level. And, And from my time in football, it's sort of another angle of this is I just know that there's so much difference between having a team that's kind of fresh, fit, and able to train fully and properly, work on shape, work on set pieces and do all those things versus when, you know, you got a few people out, you need to call up a few from the youth team, you got some guys who can only do part of the training session because their load is too high or they're trying to come back from an injury and, and things like that. Things are so disrupted and you can't then work on those tactical solutions to the problems that the team is facing and and that kind of thing. So it just kind of compounds and and builds up. Um, What do you think about that as a theory um, behind some of these, some of these teams and the way the season's gone so far? Yeah, I think I agree. Um, Well, I, to be honest, like I still don't know like what's going with Liverpool this season. I mean, obviously from FPL perspective too but as a Liverpool fan as well like it's so frustrating uh, to 
well, from an FPL point of view, let me put it this way. So when you choose players like Alexander-Arnold and Salah, and I didn't get, but Darwin was one of them too. So you kind of expect them to do well and then um, and also like kind of bad for them so that they will do well. Because like most people think, uh, well, they're not going well. Obviously, last week they lost. So let me sell Salah. I mean... Last game week, there were lots of people who sold Salah to get Almiron. So you kind of have this expectation. Like every game week, I'm like, okay, this game week Salah will absolutely smash it. And then I will probably tweet a gif of Salah, probably. Like you kind of <laughs> wait for that moment. And then it never comes. Like it gets frustrating and frustrating. And so... I mean, like in most projections, you see, you see like Manchester City as the first team, and then you see Liverpool as the second team. Like if we are checking the projections at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and then now you check the like the point difference and you know the remaining games, doesn't look nice. And then, I mean, there could be as as you have mentioned, there could be reasons like you know if you you know fall behind a little bit, and then you struggle to get on top, and then it leads to bigger problems and then Champions League is going at the same time. I don't I don't know what the thing. I was kind of expecting to see it in the prediction data too. I was that's why I started checking, you know, how the team uh, summations look like. Do do they, you know, keep, you know, increasing decreasing for certain teams after, you know, every game? There were changes, but as most probably you will guess, I mean, those changes are not that dramatic. Like, you might have noticed that I mean, Salah's projections remained almost the same, just a little bit, probably decreased a little bit. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The thing with, the thing with Salah is that um, he could have come back 25% from his performance last season, both in terms of underlyings and real performance, and still been good value with the pricing this season at 13 million. And so I've had him in my team um, since the you know, for most of the season mm-hmm. as well. So I'm certainly not trying to say that he's a bad option, but I just still think it's interesting to just try to differentiate and think through, you know, team performance, team underlyings, um, and then if you match those. Um, you know, if a player, if the player's underlyings continue, is he executing as well? If he's yeah. not fresh, or as as you know, Jurgen Klopp's words, only half fit, or or things like that. Um, I do think that when players are in their peak physical performance, that's different to being just fit and available. So I do think there is something in that. But because we're mostly blind to the condition of the players, you can't really build it into our decision making it's just something to, to reflect on in hindsight um, sure, yeah. but you know on the other hand it's been great for Salah's expected minutes because there's you know Jota's out Diaz is out he hasn't had yeah. an opportunity to I'm sure he would have had a rest in either the Premier League or the Champions League through this run of games that they've had if if he was able to um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and same with Kane at Spurs um, and Son so it's been great for the <laughs> great for their minutes but then you know are they able to perform to their peak and and the differences as you say are probably very small um they remain good options even if some of these effects are in place and then the outcome happens and and we're all we all 
try to fit a narrative to it in, in hindsight yeah. when, when really there's probably not that much difference um, either way. And, and it was just that he didn't get penalties randomly. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. So I'm wondering what are your plans for the next game? Because I checked your team and I almost cried. <laughs> so many flags <laughs> around. You have Holland in your team, Tony suspended, and Saka is injured. I don't know if he will be available or not, but what, what are you planning? Yeah, so there's those three and then Foden as well, who has oh, been yeah. benched for the last two games. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not looking too good because at the moment, you know, depending on Holland and, and Saka's injuries, which hopefully we get some conclusive information one way or the other <laughs> later in the week because it could well just be an unknown which brings its own problems um i at the moment i'd be looking at playing both mitrovic and andreas away to city which obviously is not um ideal so i'm trying to just delay as long as possible to um hopefully you know get more information around um, those injured players and maybe see what happens with Foden um, in the Champions League to see is, is he actually fully fit or mm-hmm. is something else going on there um, and then make my decisions later in the week but um, I'm certainly wondering with um, only two weeks to go until the World Cup normally I would I'd be very reluctant to take hits at this stage because I think um, you know, you know, you want several game weeks for a hit to repay itself normally. Um, but at this stage, I'd be thinking of, of taking at least one. And, and there's so many different options on the table. If Haaland is out, you could go to Kane or you could downgrade him, which would free up both funds and a city slot to then maybe take one of the midfielders up to KDB or, or something like that. Because with the two games, that two home games that City have to go, um, my whole strategy was having three city players for for this run, um, and yeah. at the moment with Haaland potentially out and Foden either out of favour or, or or not fit or whatever's happening there, I only really have Cancelo um, locked to be starting in these. So, um, yeah, what what do you think? And is there anything that? Um, because I'm sure a lot of other players that have some combination of these different problems in their team. Hopefully, not all of them like I do, um, but other than definitely transferring out Tony since he's out for sure. And I know that. Um, and I think there's some decent options around his price. I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. Is there anything that the, that your methods can can tell me? Yeah, I haven't checked your team. I mean, maybe yeah, I should give it a spin. I mean, I was checking my team just, you know, out of curiosity because I, I know that I will wait until, you know, almost deadline this time or at least, you know, until we get some clarity on those injuries. But I don't know, like, Solver is suggesting me some, <laughs> I don't know, like, some weird moves that I'm less likely to follow. So, yeah, I will I will probably wait. Yeah, and also I think that's part of the, you know, uh, uh, like, outcome of me already you know, being tilted by FBL. Like, if I check my team so already, like, at the beginning of the week, then I will keep thinking about it. So I'm just trying to... And you are also right in the sense that sometimes we 
are trying to do moves with a limited budget so that you need to follow the price changes too so you're constantly thinking about fpl but i don't know so many options and i'm i always have this feeling that i will choose the wrong one too so who knows <laughs> maybe with some extra information i will choose you know a slightly better player maybe what do you think about um you know people like me who potentially have have to play Mitrovic in the next two games um, unless they use a hit to swap him to someone else because I think Review has him projected at around you know, a bit over three points for the next two games against City away and then at home to United um, on the last uh, game week 16. So there's clearly better strikers out there but not necessarily four points better over the two weeks whereas you know the classic way of playing fpl i look at my team set up for the the week ahead and i see manchester city or city away on my striker from my promoted team and i just think i don't i don't really want to want to see that there's got to be something better so what's um you know where do where do things sit is it clear one way or the other in your opinion uh let me check here um i don't know i i feel like I mean, playing against City is obviously very, well, the most difficult fixture for a forward. But like his projections is still over three. So I I feel like he's still a good option. Um, you know, I always kind of, you know, dread having players against, you know, tough fixtures because, I mean, that's the kind of the analytical way of playing, right? So you kind of put fixtures over form. But... I don't know. Like he, he can easily get a return on those game uh, on those fixtures too. So I was checking top forwards under seven point four million. I don't know why I chose this number specifically, but well, I see Wilson as the top option for the next game week. But then um, for game week sixteen, I see Mitrovic in certain models, and um, I think in average he is higher than Wilson too because Wilson is playing against Chelsea so mm. me seeing Mitrovic in one of the top three or top five options as a forward in that range you know I probably wouldn't worry too much about him but like are you fixed on selling him um uh, no, I'm I'm a bit undecided, and I would like to get more information about the rest of my team. Although you know, I've only got one free transfer, and and Tony would be a more obvious one, um, mm-hmm. being suspended and then having City on the last the last game before the World Cup. So it would only be for a hit. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they have Manchester United. Fulham, that is, has Manchester United at home in game week 16. I actually think Manchester United have improved a lot um, since they lost to City. Mm. Casemiro came into the team. Luke Shaw came into the team. And uh, for what the eye test is worth to me, looking at how they've set up and how they've been playing and the results that they've been getting, as well as the underlyings against some of the better teams in the league, like um, uh, Spurs and others that they've played in the last few weeks, um, I'm quite bullish on them. And I actually brought in Luke Shaw with my transfer um last weekend mm-hmm. they got a clean sheet against west ham which was a little bit lucky with some of the chances west ham had right at the end of the game but they did control most of it so 
I'm probably a bit down on Mitrovic, um, more so than what maybe the data is suggesting, which which edges me towards a transfer. But I don't know if I'm taking Tony out for a, a mid-priced striker, like Skamaka, for instance, is one who I'm pretty keen on. Um, yeah. That means Mitrovic is going to be for my second choice, which might be Wilson or, or something like that, which is still still good. But there's that strategic aspect of, as well um, in terms of you know the opportunity cost of what I'm able to bring in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, Kamaka is a good shout. I mean, he has two good fixtures, and I see him. Uh, in one of the top three options in market odds uh, model of FBR review, uh, third best striker in this price uh, category, uh, playing against uh, Crystal Palace and then Leicester next game week. Yeah, I that... think West Ham are quite good at home. Um, I think they're clear top in their conference league group now, so they can rotate as much as they need to this week. Mm-hmm. And I also suspect Skamaka is probably on pens now. I think since Bowen missed, he hasn't been on the pitch for either of the ones they've had um, since then. But I think he has, you know, a decent penalty record from his previous clubs from, from what I remember. So um, I suspect that he might he might be on them. And, and that's a frustrating thing about not being able to look under the hood of the model because I'd like to know mm-hmm. what um, percentage weighting um, some of the models are giving to him possibly being the penalty taker because if yeah. that's the only difference between him and Wilson, who we know would take the penalties, then yeah. um, you know that could pretty much bring them pretty much level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, that's pretty much the dream for you know future prediction <laughs> models, so that you can you know change the penalty order and then suddenly you know the data will get updated. Yeah. And so we haven't talked much about your team. What's uh, what's your likely move um, this week? Even though yeah, you're waiting for more information like the rest of us. Well, I talk about you know how Mitrovic's fixtures are not that bad, but model is suggesting me to sell Mitrovic for Mubemo. And and then maybe next game week uh, selling Martinelli or Andreas for a Brighton uh, midfielder. Um, so if when I saw when I forced Solver to give me some you know alternative moves, it move it actually suggests that a Brighton midfielder move this game week. So it just you know changes the order of the transfers in some cases. Um, I don't know. Um, wow, so... that's yeah, those are pretty um, left field moves. And the Martinelli one, um, I, I feel like he's someone that you're going to want to keep after the World Cup. So losing the value that's tied up in him um, would be a big call, um, oh, yeah. even though you know you he may be someone you want to start betting against depending on your, your strategy from here on out. But if Saka is injured as well, then I, su- I suspect that he'll take Arsenal's penalties and that oh, might yeah. not be That's priced true. in yet. So that would be another thing to consider with him. Probably, yeah. I mean, some other moves I see models selling Zaha. Well, about that. I mean, he will play against... Um, Nottingham Forest on 16, but we know how it went with Trossard. So, <laughs> and I kept Zaha for so long too. I mean, I feel like <laughs> he owes me those points from the Forest <laughs> game. I don't know, like, if I can sell him. 
I also have yeah just a little bit of value invested in him too so and their fixtures after World Cup is well they're playing against Fulham and then Bournemouth right after I don't know maybe I, I will sell Zaha who knows but I'm tired of selling those midfielders actually well last game week I got Ramsdale so I made a different move but Hey, that worked out well. <laughs> yeah, that it, yeah, it did. Thankfully, I, um, I think Zaha. I think Zaha will be um, pretty decent to um, to keep. I think if that's your transfer this week or next week, then you must be in a pretty um, a pretty good position. Certainly compared to I mean, me on... with um, much more pressing concerns, <laughs> so that's not too bad. Yeah, I think. I mean, honestly, I feel like my team is always good on paper but yeah, terrible in the field well one concern i have right now is i have both ramsdale and gabriel for next game week which i will probably play ward uh, against everton rather than ramsdale against chelsea but yeah yeah model was suggesting to uh, sell gabriel but i don't know yeah, we talked about this, you know, risky moves and uh, finding the next shiny player. I mean, it doesn't feel like a defender will be that, you know, player that will, you know, carry me to higher ranks. But yeah, I, I might do it. I've noticed that Chelsea's numbers um, are very middling um, this season. I don't think when Potter came in that things improved that much. But going back to the theory before about them always just, you know, being desperate for that extra few days to reset and not not having the opportunity to do that i think this week they're already through in the champions league so mm-hmm. they will have the opportunity to rotate a bit if they need to and, and strengthen up for that game on the weekend which is much more important so um that would be another one where i would expect them to maybe you know adjust upwards slightly from from what they've been doing if they can give Chilwell a rest and, and things like that um, the midfielders, they've just, it feels like they've just constantly been chasing and, and having the cobble and 11 together out of which 11 players are the most fit. So you get Sterling and Pulisic at wing back and, and things like that, which hasn't really worked for him. Um, whereas we know, you know, when Chelsea are closer to their full strength, that the, it's a good team. So um, when I look at Wilson as well, because his last game is against Chelsea uh, before the World Cup, that's something that's in my mind as well that I expect that they might be able to pull themselves together a little bit uh, compared to what they've been doing yeah I mean I think this will be a tough question for you but since I have both Ramsdale and Ward um, and I checked the data right before the the recording and they are both at 350 in terms of EV so well again another coin toss yay so which one would you play? Would you play Ramsdale against Chelsea or Ward against Everton away? Both away. I, I think. Yeah, I think I'd play Ward. Um, okay. I think looking at the trajectory of the not just the two teams that those players are from, but the four that are involved with what I just said about Chelsea, maybe you know having the potential to be a little bit stronger. Um, I think Everton are trying to reincorporate. Calvert-Lewin right now, but going back to that point around players who are fit for selection, but not really at full strength. Um, I don't think 
um, that their attack is is really um, at its best, and and Leicester have tightened up a lot in recent weeks. Um, the way that they've been playing stylistically, and and uh, you know the impact of Valt Face on on their um, performances, where he wasn't there early in the season when they were really putting up some bad numbers. So. As all of these things are, you know, at best tiebreakers, but for me, they more more of those factors sort of point in that direction. And if the when the predictions on the EV is is close, that's the type of stuff I try to think through mm-hmm. to try to find mm-hmm. a tiebreaker. It's um, you know, you can either do that or flip a coin. So <laughs> yeah, that that's a good idea. Well, you see, everyone. Well, Brett is not joking when he says data, handshake, context, not eye test, but context. Yeah. Just like this. Okay. Um, um, are there anything else you want to talk about next game week? Because I took some notes about, you know, this whole, you know, getting tilted or getting, you know, triggered uh, issue. Do you have any other comments about game week 15 or 16? I think I will. And by the way, pe- some people ask me a few questions about game week 15 and I wasn't able to actually check the data so I will reply those uh, in the following days hopefully closer to that time so that you will be able to you know have the information and the latest uh, data too do you have anything else to add Brad? Um, no not particularly okay it's kind of yeah mm-hmm. yeah no that's okay okay happy to so... talk more about um, anything that that you want to around being tilted and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> People are already rolling their eyes. But um, I also have asked on Twitter about how you deal with, you know, getting tilted or frustrated in FPL. And we received some really nice replies. So I will just read some of those. And I also checked some other sources and I will talk about those too. And... Samwise, Samwise FPL on Twitter said, um, FPL gets to you much more when you spend lots of time ruminating on your results and less time engaging with people and other things you love in your life. Annoyingly obvious, but reshaping your basic habits in accordance is key for avoiding low mood, whatever the context, which, well, obviously I agree. And Ujan Ghosh on Twitter said, um <laughs> so this is i don't know an interesting take these days with an overload of content we end up following moves of creators instead of making our own when these moves don't get our way we feel worse because the decision was not our own to begin with so my best advice is listen to content but make your own decision and I think I have seen a tweet, a popular tweet today about, you know, how content creators suggested really terrible players. It was like a a clown, you know, getting the makeup like every game week. Uh, I don't know if you have seen it or not. Yeah, I I did. Yes. So I feel like, I mean, after all, I mean, we also suggest some players and I don't know if we are included in that category. Like we don't have that many listeners, but... I mean, the big content creators, what the players they suggest makes sense on paper. I mean, it's not their fault that those players are not, you know, returning points. Because I was thinking about this and said, we always treat data this way, as if 
there is a fact about how many points a player was going to get and then it is prediction data's fault for not meeting to those standards like not matching those standards but i mean there's also another way of looking at things as if like prediction data is correct because i mean obviously market odds is also part of these things too so we expect i don't know like salah or trossard to score a goal against nottingham forest but if he doesn't or can't for some reason i mean it's also players fault too maybe he's not living up to the expectations that's not the prediction data's fault not the content creator's fault but well, probably no one's fault too obviously make your own decisions like don't listen to anybody else on making you know decisions whatever content is being created i mean no one i i i don't know if anyone is saying that well don't use your own decisions like use my own decisions but i don't know i feel like people are a little bit harsh on content creators like this season <laughs> oh, yeah definitely um there's a whole lot of I think things going on with that about, um, you know, people investing time into this and maybe feeling, you know, frustrated as to why does this person get all this attention and, and following and I don't when, you know, they get these decisions wrong and I got some right or, or that kind of thing. Um, or just that, you know, people all want their own teams to do well and, and if something goes wrong, they, they want a scapegoat or, or things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt... <laughs> I felt really bad this week when um, a friend of mine who's playing more seriously for the first time this season, and he's doing well, he's doing better than me. Um, and I think some of the advice I've given him has hopefully contributed to that. But he asked me what I thought about bringing in Almiron. And I left him a, a short voice message saying, please make up your own mind. Don't, you know, just go <laughs> go with your own gut. But what I would say is that you need to be wary of chasing last week's points versus thinking, you know, this is a good player who's going to continue to go to do well. And with Almiron, yeah, he's, it's not that I think he's a bad pick at all, but that's just something that I would run through my own mind if I was thinking about getting a player like that. And he didn't bring in Almiron and said, yeah, no, I shouldn't chase last week's points. And then, of course, Almiron... <laughs> <laughs> scored and, and assisted um, and even though I said like three or four times go with your own gut make your own choice I'm not saying he's a, if, I'm not even saying that he's a bad pick or that I wouldn't get him just trying to give you more tools to feed into your own decision making process and I think that's what the best content creators do you still can't escape that <laughs> that so thing you, of you know did you get an angry text from him after the game week <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I think I beat him by three points in our little head-to-head -head competition. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it, didn't, it, was, it was more silent, more the silence that was telling for a few days there. But, um, yeah, I think you can't, you can't escape that. Um, but, you know, as, as a content creator yourself, I think, yeah, if yeah. people are kind of coming at it in one of those bad faith ways about, um, you know, just wanting to be angry and kind of take it out on, on somebody even if the decision or the advice was was sound, um, then you just need to just shrug it off because unfortunately that's just going to come with the territory. Yeah, that's true. Well, on the other hand, we also provide a different service to our listeners. And so one comment said, <laughs> it's Strabo, it's five cent deposit on Twitter, said, 
If I have had a bad game week, I just check how Sartalp did, and that usually makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> well, you see, some content creators are useful. Like, I give people hope and happiness, uh, so they check my score, and then they immediately feel better. That's just great. Um, and... Bobis, that's Bobis Kokines on Twitter said most of the people that invest a significant amount of time in this game are no strangers to negative self-talk after a bad game week. So I would say that talking to yourself like you will talk to a fellow player is a good start. Which I like this advice actually because usually when I see someone who's not doing well in FPL, I usually send them a message and say that I mean you're obviously making great moves, don't you know feel bad. But when it's me, I'm like, I should have, you know, researched deeper and then figured out that Trossard was going to blank in that forest game because signs were there. Like, I clearly missed certain, you know, indications. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is a good advice. That's really, really well said, because, um, yeah, I think even better is actually talking to other managers and and have them give you that advice. But if... um, if that's not possible, then talking to yourself in, in that way as well and just constantly reminding yourself about the the process of decisions versus outcomes. Um, yeah. It's kind of the best that we can do. I mean, I tried also talking with other managers too, by the way. I mean, um, obviously I was trying some stuff in the background, but I always have this feeling that, okay, this is just one game week that I had. I had a bad game week, so next game week will be different, so I can, you know freely went off and then next game week is bad too so i go again you know i went off a little bit and then when it's third time you're like all i do is complaining to this poor guy like he doesn't need to listen to (laughs) you know me getting angry about you know my bad fpl picks so yeah Maybe but there's yeah, a I, I really appreciate people. Maybe there's a market for an FPL therapist too. FPL <laughs> therapist. We will fall eventually fall. get, yeah, I think. <laughs> this has been a good therapy session, but um, you know, I could see a professional opportunity there for somebody to just um, deal with uh, the fallout of bad game weeks on the couch. That's, that's a probably a really good idea. <laughs> okay. Um, and... FPL president, uh, that's President Sigurd, if you don't know, uh, he shared a thread he wrote in 2019. And I feel like it's a really good thread. Um, I will probably also link it again when I'm posting this episode on Twitter. But um, so essentially what he was saying that like as long as you are happy with your decision before the game week, don't beat yourself if it doesn't turn out as expected if you keep making good decisions points and green arrows will come eventually i mean that's probably true for uh, the optimal strategy i mean if you are kind of um playing data centric you already know that there's a chance there's a probability associated with it so that the things will go wrong but there's also even if it is slightly higher than you know 50% there's a higher chance of things getting you know, better, like, points and green arrows will come eventually, assuming the data is, you know, modeled correctly. And so, yeah, I mean, I think eventually 
it will come so that instead of focusing on this game week maybe you know turning and thinking about you know future game weeks or maybe even future seasons is a better practice and he also says log off recharge and come back fresh yeah i will talk about this too because it's sometimes so difficult to log off like you you don't have the closure about the last game week so you want someone to come out and say that oh well you Brad, you really played well. You did everything you could. You know, now you can log off, you know, in peace. Sometimes you don't get that closure. And then sometimes you see a people tweeting about, you know, how bad a pick uh, the player you just got last game week. And then you feel like, okay, I need to teach these people that I didn't do a wrong decision. I was just unlucky. And then, I don't know, sometimes sometimes Twitter itself is a little bit too much to handle. So I was trying to um, just close the app immediately if the ba- you know if it is clear that the game is not going well. There were so many great responses to your, um, to your tweet calling for questions and comments about this topic. So I really encourage anybody to actually go back and find the tweet and read through mm-hmm. all of the replies. But I think it was FPL president who was also saying... Um, that other endeavors in life like study or working out, it's much more of a um, certain, you know, positive feedback to the effort that you put in what, in terms of what you get out. Whereas FPL, you can listen to more podcasts and spend more time crunching data and all of that. And, and it's not necessarily going to work out. Whereas, you know, if you go to the gym and, and do a chin up, it's not that there's a 50% chance that your muscle will grow <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's going, yeah. to, uh, it's going to happen. So that's where, yeah, I think having that statistical literacy to at least inoculate yourself to some degree um, against the outcomes, um, especially for, you know, for newer players who haven't been through the ups and downs over the seasons um, is something I would say. Like, again, coming back to my friend who's a bit newer to the game, he'll sometimes mm-hmm. say things like, oh, well, you know, I listened to these podcasts and they said that was a good move or, or something. It's not just that he's angry about the the advice not panning out, but I think it's the fact that he went to the, he spent hours that he could have been doing something else with listening to the podcast or reading the news or whatever. And then, you know, that's part of the frustration that it doesn't pay off with the green arrow. So that's a, a really good one to, to acknowledge. Okay. So if anyone wants to feel you know better about themselves let me tell you that i um, actually implemented this optimization uh, model uh, in a programming language and i think it has like several thousands of codes and i also implemented a user interface to it so that i can use more easily that i currently use for you know creating content on twitter and i listen podcasts when i can i read twitter threads i like I run a discord I read you know what people are suggesting there I check polls I do everything you can imagine with the data I check like seven different data sources the amount of hours I invested in this game is actually depressing to be honest and I'm still at 1.6 million so don't don't feel bad for you know listening just you know one podcast and then making a choice and then think that okay I invested three hours of my time and didn't do well there are bigger losers like me probably (laughs) okay Uh, it's very very philosophical (laughs) it's 
sort of framing yourself as the as the punching bag. I hope somebody gets some joy <laughs> out of that. Yeah, I hope so too. And Optinal is perma permacap and permacap probably Helen said I have about uh, five six things that I regularly get invested in which end up upsetting me when it doesn't go according to the plan. I just move on to the next thing quickly. That will either make me ecstatic or disappointed. So at this point, I want to talk about this finite and infinite game distinction. So I was reading a book on this and it says uh, there are finite games, essentially like zero-sum games where you have a clear winner or loser. Um, so it could be things like FPL. You can think about the mini leagues or maybe head-to-head so that there's a clear winner. Or in poker, I mean, obviously, you know who wins the game. Or in a tennis match. And some of these finite games are... I mean, they essentially give joy to us when we, then, when we are the winner. But when you lose, it's kind of depressing, as we, we all know. And especially if there is a, a luck element in it. I mean, it's much worse i mean you can play chess and then lose and i say that okay i lost because i wasn't the you know good player or my opponent was obviously cheating with some kind of a device but um in fpl like you do everything right but still lose and then it gets depressing versus in an infinite game where there is no clear deadline there is no clear winner you can do it at any time and the example the book gives is um like think about like artists releasing new albums no artist come out come out and says you know i will make the greatest album ever and no one will ever pass me ever again that's impossible constantly people are producing some something new so infinite games like um i don't know like games like minecraft or playing practicing guitar or exercise or just like you said Brett, like going to the gym and then you know uh, exercising so those kind of infinite games are much well, healthier i mean i understand the joy is much less but whenever you are playing a finite game like it could be a game like monopoly 2 which is a really bad board game by the way and always uh, pair it with an infinite game if you can so that if things don't go well in your finite game you can always uh, fall back to your uh, infinite game and then feel good about yourself and i was checking tilt's definition in Wikipedia, wikipedia and they say <laughs> when you get tilted it makes you play suboptimally that's not oh, my wow. word like wikipedia is saying <laughs> people will get angry again but and I don't know if you know the, the term where, where it's coming from, but uh, in the, well, I'm old, so. <laughs> Back then we had pinball machines, and then when you're playing pinball, if you, you know, hit the machine too hard, like if you tilt it, essentially, it was saying tilt and it wasn't allowing you to play anymore. So it was just kind of finishing the game. Um, and. So this, uh, there's a book called uh, Mental Game of Poker. So I just realized after FPL uh, President's tweet that, you know, the luck or the getting tilted aspect of poker is so similar to FPL and there's lots of material already written in this topic. I just, you know, briefly looked at the book and noticed that it's very similar. And um, 
I think this was another source, but it was listing the um, sources of tilt. Like, why do we get tilted and what are the, you know, common causes? So I feel like these are very relevant or very similar to FPL. So the first one is injustice tilt. So you feel like you are unluckier than anyone else for so, for no clear reason. <laughs> do you also feel like that, Brett? Like, like oh, I can. Yeah, I think I can think of somebody who might be uh, experiencing the injustice tilt <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Especially when we have tools that can uh, almost. Um, empirically prove that you've been unluckier than anyone else so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like there are more, um, you know, there are unluckier people than I am, but probably, I mean, I talked about, you know, how many R I have spent on the game and then how much return I got. I think that's kind of feeding into it. Like, oh, I spent 3,000 hours, you know, I should get this rank probably. And the second one is hate losing tilt. Some people just simply hate losing. That's, I don't know. I think I also hate losing, but it's not enough to get me tilted, uh, probably. I mean, I lose in head-to-head -head games every week nowadays, as you can expect or guess. Uh, it doesn't tilt me that much. Um, the third one is mistake tilt. I think that's one thing that we kind of um we see that our fpl score is not good and then we think we made a mistake sometimes it's a clear mistake that you didn't wait until the you know team league so that you feel like it's a mis it was a mistake to move early to a player um and i don't know like do you get tilted because of a mistake or perceived mistake um uh, I'd certainly, looking down his list of tilts, I have definitely experienced all of these in the past, but I feel like um, my journey to becoming a better FPL player has been systematically um, trying to eliminate these as best as I can. And, you know, I've studied a bit of behavioral economics at university and learning about the different biases. Um, mm -hmm. It's probably a close cousin to the tilts um, in terms of different things about the way our psychology is wired that's going to make us start making suboptimal decisions as wikipedia says we need to check those <laughs> wikipedia edit histories to see who's been tinkering on there by the way <laughs> it wasn't me um, <laughs> maybe it was trout i don't know yeah so i i, I certainly made a, a mistake in hindsight so i'm in the past game week where i um used my free transfer to bring um to take perisic out for sure um uh, that was i mean i it was a fine move, but I should have looked at the state of my team and noticed more risks with Harlan's injury, with Tony being on four yellow cards and, and what might happen with Foden and just actually give a bit more value to rolling the transfer since mm -hmm, I did have mm -hmm. a decent enough um, alternative to play if I had to. Um, so that's that was definitely a mistake, but I don't think that's going to make me um, make a crazy transfer now, like, you know, rage transferring that player back in or, or something like that, um, which I may have been tempted to do in the past before becoming more aware of all of these things. So, um, yeah, that's that's where all of these things can feel relevant, but you just need to... It's, it helps to talk about them like this and be aware of them. And then also, as I was trying to push you to do earlier in the 
um, episode to make you think about what are your goals from here and how does that inform your play style from here so that you're very intentional about the next decisions Mm -hmm. that you make, Mm -hmm. which hopefully um, is a bit of a defense against some of these. If you're going to play riskier now, that's, that's, because you've decided to in a you know cool mm-hmm. and rational way rather than just because things didn't go well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I will certainly think about that, especially hopefully, I mean, during World Cup, if I will have plenty of time to probably give, like set myself a new uh, target for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that it's actually, you know, it's frustrating to have the World Cup when it is and and where it is, which is a whole different issue but um uh for fpl particularly for those of us not doing so well it does actually break up the season quite nicely um this year in terms of an obvious point of delineation and reset to think about those types of things and you get a free wild card so you get to um, construct your team with those goals in mind um, knowing that everybody else will be- probably be on a pretty similar path to each other because the prices and the fixtures will dictate another template yeah um, so we yeah it does provide a nice opportunity for for people to um, to do that mm-hmm. it'd just be nice if um, you know the run-in was a little bit smoother with only two weeks left until the break it should be quite calm and just you know who do you want to punt punt on for one or two game weeks but due to the injuries and suspensions and stuff it's a little bit more turbulent at the moment but you know that's okay we'll we'll get there soon and that'll be the the time to reflect for for me as well i think yeah yeah okay and the next one is entitlement tilt so you feel like you deserve to win i feel like this is somewhat related to injustice tilt but might be a little bit different um and then the next one is revenge revenge tilts and i don't know i i feel like this is more of a case if you're playing a game like probably poker or like or you know any head to head games so that you know the the opposite player is tilting you a little bit um but less of a case in fpl i think maybe um, maybe it could happen in mini leagues um if people are playing a certain oh yeah way and having doing well with certain players almaron oh. keeps coming back into the conversation <laughs> no, but i was going to say that maybe your <laughs> friends have this uh, um and running bad tilt um i think um one example i saw about this was like having frequent losses they are small in size but they accumulate. I think this is probably like how I was feeling. So I felt bad in my first, you know, bad game week. And then it gradually got worse and worse in the following game weeks. And then it's almost exponential, not even linear, so that you get, you know, know, angry and angrier. Um, And Desperation Tilt... Okay, and it says, you know, taking extreme measures, like um, you have a bad game week, and then you're like, okay, this is it. I'm selling Salah, I'm selling all the, you know, premium players, I will buy all the 6 million or 8 million midfielders, forwards. Um, And then you kind of make a mistake there, and then it gets even worse in the following game weeks. So I think Desperation Tilt is something we need to be careful not to do because sometimes 
Oh, it's boy, like I... um, in, in poker, I could really see that being, you know, you have maybe a couple of bad beats and then your, your, your stack is a bit smaller and instead of grinding your way back with good play, you just go all in on the next hand because mm-hmm. you just want to get all of that back at once. And for us, that would be like trying to recover all of your rank in the next one or two game weeks by getting a crazy differential or, you know, a lot of um, newer players to the game will play a chip. You know, the number of managers who have played um, their free hits or um, bench boost or triple captain already, which I don't think it would have been an optimal decision to do that yet um, until we get double game weeks and blanks. Um, But a lot of people have done that maybe because of the desperation tilt. And that's one of the biggest things that you can quickly do, um, Mm -hmm. you know, or a differential captain or something like that um, to, to try to take those immediate extreme measures. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, a really, really good, really good list. Yeah, and I didn't know that you play poker. Do you do you regularly play or? No, no, not really. Um, okay. Just an, just enough to kind of know how it works, but um, okay, never really played it too much. What about you? Uh, I never played. I don't even know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, Maybe I we should like... play sometime then. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it because. I see like there are lots of like old or maybe like current poker players who are playing FPL and then finding it very similar. And mm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I I feel like another like finite game will probably make me even uh, worse, but who knows? Maybe I will <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, um, I think the thing about poker is that um, in as I understand it, in tournament play, uh, only the the winner or the people at the final table would you know would win any prize money um whereas in fpl we do have that opportunity to reassess our goals and and decide what success looks like for us if you don't get off to a good start so maybe that's a a key difference between the two um in terms of how much you need to you know chase and risk to try to recover or not but i may be misunderstanding um how poker works i i agree i mean in fpl I think you're right that um, it is not clear who is the winner or the loser. I mean, you can obviously lose your mini league, but I mean, maybe you you were trying to get in the top three in your mini league if it is very competitive. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's a good way of thinking. Okay, uh, maybe I can. I will aim to get into the top one million, and then I will be happy with it. I'm sure you'll do much better than that. <laughs> Let's Keep playing see. the way you're playing. Have some Maybe, faith. you know, keeping my expectations low will help me even more. Um, so I'm checking here. Yeah, I prepared some uh, like replacement options for the players, but I think I will uh, skip this for now, and then I will share it on Twitter uh, because I don't think... All of these models have updated uh, their data because I see some of the you know suspended players in these some of these lists. So, um, anything else you want to add, Brett? No, I think that's that's covered it really good. I think that'll be um, you know an interesting discussion to put out into the community and provide a bit of a you know different lens on that. I hope people will find useful and, and encouraging and reassuring uh, if they're 
going through difficult things as well and you probably have a big editing job already so maybe we should yeah. leave it there unless there's anything other anything else specific almost 11 p.m you're right okay um thank you again for uh visiting our podcast brett uh it, it's always you know great to have you uh in this pod and i hope we can have you again in the following game weeks maybe after world cup we can talk about your you know free transfer team plan too and oh yeah thank, thank you for having me it's always a pleasure and I look forward to coming back and yeah thanks for the discussion i think it's been um really good something a bit different and hopefully some people out there who maybe you're also not having the ranks that they want like us so far will find something in there useful about um knowing that they're not alone and, and the types of um processes you need to think about to ensure that things don't don't mm. get on tilt and don't get even worse from there so yeah thanks for having yeah. Me. i hope so i hope so well again uh thanks for coming and thank you everyone for uh listening to us next week our episode might be delayed a little bit it will come out closer to the deadline but uh i feel i think bus will be back and we will record a regular episode too and so subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is out or follow us on twitter uh me it is at sertab bilal for bus it is at balfi bb and uh, today's guest was Brad Taylor. It is FPL Echidna. It is E-C-H-I-D-N-A. Is it correct? Spot on. <laughs> on Twitter, I mean, and well, he's kind of famous with finishing FPL third last season. So um, I will also tag him in this uh, when I'm sharing this episode in Twitter. And we wish everyone green arrows again and if you were having red arrows like me hopefully it will be green this time around and talk to you next time <laughs> <laughs>